0: Welcome to a Commander Throne, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your
1: host Caitlin, and I'm your host Jen. This week we are joined by a special guest, Alan, from the podcast's Hallowed Ground Storycast and Shadows and Shamblers, an American Gods uh, podcast. And we're going to be talking about Princess Mononoke, the Japanese anime classic by Hayao Miyazaki. So, Alan, do you want to? Introduce yourself a bit, or did you want to go over the film and why you chose it as one you'd like to talk about?
2: Uh, No, I think that's a good enough introduction okay. for what I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I can do the production notes if you want.
0: I will say, I was going to say, you're our first uh, male guest, so oh, is that true? you should
1: feel honored.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: we've had two guests. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: Anya beat me here.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's right. always
2: jealous of my partner.
0: (laughs) And she was like really funny and interesting. So you have a lot to live up to.
2: I mean, it's not going to happen. I'm not worried about that. I'm the boring one. Uh, I know what
1: that's like. (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean I'm the funny and interesting one? That's not how I would cast us. uh, That's nice. At the the very least, you're the knowledgeable
0: one. okay okay it sounded like not as much of a compliment as i meant it to be (laughs) sorry that's
1: okay (laughs) all right
0: production notes yeah
2: (laughs) i'm so happy to be on your show um and i love this movie so much so i'm excited to talk about it um Princess Mononoke uh, is a Studio Ghibli film. I think most people know that. And it was released in 1997 in Japan. And then it was distributed in North America in 1999 by Miramax, uh, which is like, you know, Harvey Weinstein fame uh, back in the 90s. (laughs) Great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because Miyazaki, who uh, is the leader of Studio Ghibli, actually got into a lot of arguments with uh, Weinstein over this movie. And uh, the entire experience was so disagreeable to Miyazaki that later he ended up partnering with Disney, even though he disliked Disney in general because of their giant corporateness. But he disliked Weinstein so much. That he was like, I'd rather work with a giant corporation than you. Uh, so I like that dude even more after finding that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was the first Ghibli film widely distributed outside of Japan. And it's the highest grossing movie in Japan for like over a decade after it launched. So it beat out stuff like Titanic uh, and other things like that. Uh as I mentioned, Hayao Miyazaki wrote and directed it. He also did the key art for most of the hand-drawn movie. There's a little bit of CGI stuff in this movie, uh, but for the most part, it was like important to him that it be 2D animation, cell animation. And the dub script for North America was written by Neil Gaiman. Um, and in my opinion, mm-hmm. it's like a big sea change in anime dubs Because he paid, like, such close attention to the motion of the lips of the characters and worked really hard to get, like, an accurate translation that matched the mouth motions of the characters. And it allows you to, like, really sink into the movie if you're watching the dub. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Now, Kate, you've seen this before as well, right? Yep. How do you usually watch it? I was going to say, do you usually watch it dubbed or do you watch it subbed? Oh, okay. Um,
0: it depends who I'm watching it with. I guess I prefer things subbed. Mm-hmm. But um, like a friend of mine has trouble reading subtitles. So if I'm watching with them, mm-hmm. we watch it dubbed.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: And some, I have a friend who likes to knit when she watches TV. Right. So we usually watch dubbed anime with her. So it really just depends who I'm watching it with and what we're in the mood for. Gotcha.
1: Uh this is one that I usually have watched the um the dub on. And uh I was actually gonna try and watch it twice this week so I could see the the subbed version again as well. But didn't have time for watching it twice.
2: The, yeah, and there, <laughs> the dub cast is really good on this, yeah. uh in my opinion. Yeah. Just really good performances. Mm-hmm. Uh and the script is really good from Gaiman. Uh, but yeah, I saw this movie when it came out in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in college and I went to this, like kind of, we had like a movie theater in town that was like the artsy movie theater where you'd go to see indie movies and foreign films. And I was in there all the time to watch like movies out of China and Hong Kong. And I knew what this movie was coming up because I was already like a big anime fan And I remember sitting in the theater and as the first five minutes roll by, people getting up like in droves and walking out going like, oh, I didn't know this was animated. I just thought it was a Japanese movie. Like, I'm not here for the (laughs) cartoons. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. But it's funny because I, I feel like now Ghibli movies are like a marquee event and people like grownups will go to see them without children. Whereas like back then it wasn't a name at all. He had no cachet in America. So it's just funny yes, how far it's gone.
1: Yeah. 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 They've had a few um, special studio Ghibli performances at uh, our closest theater to us. And for one of them, yeah, me and my husband just, you know, had arranged babysitting and we went on our own to, to watch it. Um, yeah, for sure. Cause they're, they're so enjoyable and they're not, uh, they're so not just cartoons. Like, I read some reviews of it because I was like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to talk about this movie and we all love it. And I was like, it's going to be a huge gush fest. So I was like, I'll read some critiques <laughs> about it, too. But like a lot of them were just like, like one of them was so dismissive. And it's like in the long run, in the very long, boring run, this is just a cartoon. And I was like, wow, wait to until totally... <laughs> like miss the the whole point of it and just yeah bring your own cultural lens to something that you kind of have to leave at the door it's yeah
0: um was um was this like this was my first studio ghibli film i assume it was everybody's
2: it was for Um, me
1: i think it was for me yeah
2: I, after I saw this, I had like some anime nerd friends in college and I was like, who is this Miyazaki guy? What is this studio Ghibli stuff? Do you guys know about this? And one guy was like, yeah, they made a movie about a pig guy. I can loan it to you. And it was all (laughs) like in Japanese. But, uh, that was like, Mononoke was the first one that I had seen. And then it took a few years for Disney to, um, you know, start bringing over
0: all of the older yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was with um, *Spirited Away*, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the first one that that John Lasseter did, and right. Then they did them all. Because mm-hmm. um, John
2: Lasseter was not as bad as Harvey Weinstein.
0: Which is funny now. <sighs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> just destroy all of our childhoods. Yes. Yeah. Right. Destroy. So, It's fine.
2: So do you guys try to summarize this at all? I don't know. Like, how do you summarize the plot of this movie? Or should we assume everybody's seen it? You should just go see it if you don't know what it is.
0: I mean, I I guess we can do a quick. um, A quick summary. Okay, let me see if I can just do this off the cuff. Okay, forest (laughs) gods are turning into demons. So. A dude from a small village goes to investigate after getting cursed by one of the demons and gets involved in kind of a war between forest gods, industrialism, and the Japanese Empire. That's legit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> really, um, Hayao Miyazaki had something to say about humans working with nature instead of against it, and by God, he was going to make three fucking movies about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it. It is a recurring theme. Although, is it just three movies? I think it's more than three movies. Well, as with Princess Mononoke in particular,
0: he looked mm-hmm. at Nasca of the Valley of the Wind and thought to himself, man, I did not get my point across. I'm going to try again. <laughs> and Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: And Nausicaa has this, like, really uncomplicated ending that's like, yay! And and Mononoke is like, oh, okay. <laughs> There's more work. <laughs> it
1: yeah. is a really complicated ending, actually. And- I actually like Nausicaa
0: better, but maybe that's because you get that, like, resolution at the ending. Mm-hmm. I always feel more emotionally satisfied, but... Maybe that's sort of the point of Princess Mononoke.
2: Nausicaa has chocobos, and that's why it's the best one. But
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's absolutely <sighs> fair. I do love those things, <gasps> and it makes me feel bad for insects, which is right. not not easy to do. <laughs> True. Okay, we're not talking about that though. Okay. Sorry. I assume we all liked it. Did we? Did we decide that already? Yeah, oh, I, I think... love this
2: movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say I did notice some things this viewing that I didn't like as much cuz I haven't I haven't actually watched it in a while. Mm-hmm.
1: Um mm-hmm. but I
0: still did overall very much enjoy it.
1: Okay. Are you going to tell us what some of the things were that you um just struggled? I
0: felt like and maybe this is just because of current cultural differences, mm-hmm. but I felt like some of the like whenever we were talking to the forest gods, they were always just unreasonable. Like they were not willing to find a compromise, they were not willing to share, and it just felt like old people holding on to the past. You know, oh, I didn't sure. have as mu- I didn't have as much pity for them this time. I was just like, well, you can't even fucking try to work with these people. I don't <laughs> know why I'm swearing so much this morning, Sorry. <laughs> Um and so whilst before i felt very uncomplicated about them being in the right even though, even though i also did feel like some of the humans were in the right this time i was just like why why can't you even try to meet them halfway here why why can't you talk to them so that's all they
2: probably are the least sympathetic faction and that's probably why it's so important to have mononoke there you mm-hmm. know like as the touchstone for us and and Mm -hmm. even like within the gods it's it seems pretty complicated they're not a unified front that's like the monkeys hate the wolves the wolves don't respect the boars like nobody gets along and nobody understands like the forest spirit he's all mysterious like nobody understands what that creature wants so yeah it's they're they're the most mysterious faction and like the most like yeah like you said hard-headed for sure
1: yeah. I think that like, may also mm-hmm. be, sorry, not you go. I was going to say I think that may also be partly intentional like um, cuz the the leader of the boar tribe mentions that like his his people are getting more dumbed down, they're getting harder to control, they're becoming more less like gods than they used to be. So I think it's also just they're commenting that the old ways are dying out and um so they are harder to deal with because they're fading away yeah. and so they're they're getting dumber they're not able to reason with the people anymore and part of that's because of the human interference with their territories and their mm-hmm. way of life and part of it could just be that it's the cyclical nature of the universe mm. that their time is fading away and it's going to be something different
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like Japanese culture is so strange in like, so like on my shows for anybody who's never heard me before, uh, I'm always like way into, uh, like ancient religions and, uh, like the old religious practices of different cultures. And Japan is like a a culture that I'm extremely fascinated with. Mm -hmm. And this movie is like a really good representation of the way that Buddhism and Shintoism kind of crash into each other, uh, culturally. And the era that they picked for this is really good for that too. But, you know, like in Shintoism, it's, it's all about like the natural world and, um, the spiritual aspect of like the world around us. So another studio Ghibli movie spirited away is a better example of this, where everything in the world has a spiritual aspect, even rivers and houses, um, neighborhoods and stuff like that. It's not just things that are alive, like the wolves and the boars in this, Mm -hmm. uh, the forest itself has a spirit in princess Mononoke. But then at the same time, you have all of these Buddhist values, which inform the morality of the, of the story. And so like in Buddhism, there's not necessarily like good and evil the way that there is in Judeo Christian cultures that were more, uh, familiar with here Mm -hmm. in North America. It's like greed and self-deception are bad things and they can be overcome, you know, by awareness of yourself and by diligence in like trying to get rid of them. So you take like, for example, the monk in this, who's uh, voiced by Billy Bob Thornton, who's like Yeah, I think his name is Jigo. Is that right? Or uh, something like that. He's like, yeah, he's like a real bastard. Right. He's always trying to steal from people and con everyone. He's like he's a Buddhist monk, though. Um, And he just shows like he's all this hypocritical stuff and he's um, really greedy and his greed corrupts him where he can't see anything else. And Lady Eboshi is like very ambitious and driven to the point where she will destroy everything that she's built just to achieve, you know, her next goal. Um, And so, you know, like all of the, like I said, all the morality of the story is kind of informed by these Buddhist ethics, but it exists in this Shinto world of spirits and gods and demons. And you have that intersection of the Amishi people with Prince Ashitaka because the Amishi are like for the Japanese, they're the original Japanese people. And like Mm -hmm. everybody else are people who came over from China or Korea or the Philippines and they brought different cultural traditions and the Amishi people have always fought them off and stayed to a much more you know kind of like the native tribes of america a much more like in balance with nature kind of situation for their mm-hmm. religion and for their cultural practice and they're kind of the origin of shinto in a way
0: you are proving to be very interesting so you're doing <laughs> a good job here
2: i try i know a lot of stuff i'm very boring like
0: another <laughs> <laughs> that, that was i didn't know that that the amishi were based on a real uh like the real uh, natives of Japan. So that was. It's always good to know more about. Like, one part of the reason that mm-hmm. I like watching, um, well, anime in general and Studio Ghibli in particular is having that influence from a different culture in my life. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's nice too. to actually learn more of it.
2: I don't know if any of the stuff about the Amishi is correct. Like, I don't know that much about the Amishi. Mm -hmm. You know, like if the way that he dresses and all of that stuff is accurate to the tribe or, you know, like the wise woman is doing some kind of divination uh, of like casting bones and casting stones and stuff like that. I don't know if any of that is culturally authentic to their culture. Um, But, you know, like I do know that the Amishi are... They were more matriarchal. So having the wise woman be in charge, you know, like she tells who Prince Ashitaka, who is ostensibly the leader of their tribe, like, you got to go, dude. And he's like, OK, like there's no argument. Like she's clearly in charge of what's going on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she talks to the demon and everything for the whole tribe. So that seems to be true. But, I, you know, like, I don't know if all the other cultural markers are authentic or not. Mm hmm.
0: Okay, so... Did everybody have a favorite character? Hmm.
2: That's That's hard.
0: Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of good characters in this.
1: Well, and they have a lot of uh, women leader positions in it, because it's not just the wise woman. It's also, like, Lady Hiboshi is the leader of her her clan, I guess. And Princess Mononoke... And even, like, the leader of the wolves is voiced by a woman. Oh,
2: Moro. Yeah, by Jillian yeah. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, I definitely watched the Japanese version yesterday, so I have I completely <laughs> forgotten who all these people are. And every time you say a famous American actor, I'm like,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot in this movie. Um, okay, so favorites... Um, I have a hard time reconciling myself to Ashitaka, just because at the end, he does come across as so ambivalent. Like, he's like, yes, I love Princess Mononoke, but I'm going to stay and help these people, even though she can't stand the leader. Let's see, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, Okay. And I, and I My thing s- with
0: Ashitaka is that he's the only one who's willing to compromise. He's the only one who's seeing both sides of the problem. Well, That is what I like about him. But
1: carry on. That's true. That's true. Um, and like Princess Mononoke doesn't seem to have a problem with the situation either, but we don't really get to see anything in the future for them. Um, I do like uh, Mononoke herself. So there, I'll... I'll choose her as my favorite. Her name her name is San. San, yes.
2: San, which means three in Japanese. Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah. Um, maybe Yakul is the best
0: character. That's who I was gonna say. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much every exercise of me like listening to one of your podcasts, Kate, is me going like, "Yep." That's exactly what I would say. So I'm just glad I said it first.
0: Nice. I He's so loyal and adorable. And I want an elk. <laughs> I mean, not really, but.
2: My kids were watching this and they're like, did people used to ride reindeer in the olden days like that boy? And I'm like, that is a red elk. You get it right.
0: <laughs> or you can go to your room. Right. <laughs>
2: No, I, I I love the way that he's animated. Um, you could always, like, he's very expressive for an animal. I don't think that's a legit answer, though. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he is an adorable little sidekick. He,
0: even after he gets hit by the arrow and he's still following he's Ashitaka? I just wanted to <laughs> hug him. Oh. Uh, but other than that, probably um, uh, San. Or, Ashitaka has the best name ever, though. (laughs) It is pretty good to say. Uh, But I do like Zan's conviction and her... Like, the opposite of conviction? (laughs) I can't think of the word. But how she is so against the Ironworks and will basically do anything to fight the humans, but is also very torn about who she is and where she belongs. Although maybe a lot of that I'm putting onto her in my brain because I don't think we see too much of it.
2: Oh, no, for sure. I think she's Mm -hmm. very conflicted about being a human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does not like her own identity. She would rather not be a person, I think.
0: Yeah. and I don't know. I, I can identify with that a lot, like having this. In human life with gods and monsters and just not and not wanting to accept that you're not one of them.
1: Or even that you're you could be one of them, but you're also part of this other thing, which is destroying the, yeah. the family that's been taking care of you. I could I could. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah I mean, like thematically, I think San is is the most. She like sits in a place where all of humanity kind of sits because we're like these animals but we're also civilized and that that's kind of what this movie's about, right? Like it's it's the animal nature versus the civilized nature and how far do we let either one of those go? And she's so conflicted. Like she hates her own nature. She just wants to be an animal. Whereas the other humans just want to like, we just want to be comfortable and not have to deal with this magical force that's constantly trying to kill us. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, like that's how we sit in modern society. It's like I want to have a house that's air conditioned and not full of bugs, but at the same time, like global warming. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that that you just explained my everyday right there. Right. (laughs) I I do
2: enjoy the character of uh, Ganza, even though I don't like him. That's the Lady Eboshi's bodyguard. But anytime he's on screen, I really like it because he is like the most hyper masculine dude. And then he is always shut down in every scene. He has like a sword that's (laughs) bigger than he is. And he's always like, I will kick your ass. And he never... He never delivers. He's just like yeah. a blowhard and I, it's kind of great.
0: I feel like he's the, the stereotypical anime guy. Yeah, exactly. That just gets like <laughs> shit all over by the women and it's great. <laughs> I've forgotten about him and I, yeah. I like watched this movie like five hours ago.
2: Oh, he's the best. <laughs> uh, like when he gets his yeah.
0: sword all bent up,
2: he's like, I'll yeah. kill you. And then his sword gets turned into a pretzel. He's like, how <laughs> dare you? It's the best.
0: He just yells a lot. I I don't think he said (laughs) one thing, not yelling it. Right. (laughs) Even he he even yells. at.
2: He's like, I'm trying to do accounting, you guys. Shut up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did also love. um, Shoot, I forget her name. The sort of the main lady. uh, Toki? Yoki?
2: Oh, no, I'm thinking of her husband, Kuroku. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You
0: might be right. I might just also just be making weird sounds that sound vaguely Japanese. I'm going to look this up. Um, but you guys keep going. I
1: was just going to say, I'm looking it up. Oh. Well, <laughs> it's Toki. <clears throat> it's Toki. Toki? Because it's, Yeah, it's voiced by Jada Pinkett Smith.
0: That's right. Uh,
1: yeah. Yep. Good.
0: I make good choices, even mm-hmm. when I'm watching in Japanese. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I enjoy her character as well. Um... She is always entertaining to watch, though the first few times I watched it, she really bothered me Hmm. Uh, just because she seems inconsistent at times and like flipping back and forth between like not caring about this guy and like being mad at him when he like just fell off a cliff. And when he comes back, she's all pissed off at him. I kind of just wanted to smack her. (laughs) And then she's like, she just flips and is like totally uh, you know, different when she's talking to Lady Hiboshi and all this kind of stuff. And then we watched it one time in Japanese with the subtitles. And my husband and I have learned like a teeny tiny small amount of Japanese. And then it totally clicked to us how they were trying to translate her shifting in tone for like um, treating her husband with like the familiar pronoun. And because in the Japanese uh, one with subtitles, she comes across as much more, like, sternly concerned about him. And then very, like, speaking formally to Lady Hiboshi, because that's what you would do for your boss. And when they translated that into English, like, I, the tone that the actress used with her voice, she would to try and get that across just sometimes seems inconsistent. But as soon as we listened to it in Japanese and saw the subtitles, we were like, Oh, okay. That's a little different than what, what we're interpreting here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. It's I just- love
2: what you are saying so much. It's fantastic.
1: Like it makes me
2: crazy how translation goes in anime and stuff, because like, you know, there's this whole debate over sub and dub. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so complicated (laughs) the Japanese language compared to English. And it is such a hard thing to try and fit in exactly the kind of nuance that you're talking about uh, when you're doing the translation and, and you have those limited amount of mouth movements that the character has, like, how do you get this across? And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's maddening.
1: Yes. Yes. And I, I think that the, The way they chose to do it was probably the closest way they could imagine it for a Western-speaking audience. Um, Because to try and get that amount of subtlety across in the short amount of talking that they had there, they wouldn't have been able to do it with just spoken words. And they can't change what's on the screen and everything like that. They can't add another scene for it. So I think they did a good job with the limitations they had. It was just one of those things where switching the way we watched it and understanding a bit more about the language really helped us go, okay, so it's not the character necessarily being inconsistent here. Um, and her tone is actually more appropriately like this. And it's just in the the dubbed version that it comes across a little different. And since think, then it's like, yeah, she's a great character.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she has a lot of energy. I think in, yeah. in Japanese culture, her the way that she is speaking to her husband in public in the familiar would be totally inappropriate. Like, right. You would ne- like that would be rude to do that. Mm. And not just because, like, it might be disrespectful to your husband or something like that. Like, it's just rude in the sense that, like, nobody would do it. You right. know? Um But I think that's supposed to speak to her character and like to the because this is the first introduction that you get of all of the women who have been bought from the brothels Mm -hmm. and you know, like when you think about her as a character who probably like grew up in a brothel environment and that was her primary job, it kind of makes sense that she would be really dominant in their relationship and kind of defensive emotionally about the way that she approaches her husband. Like I am in charge of this. Like I want to feel like I have total control Mm -hmm. so that I feel safe Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, have this deep respect and gratitude for Iboshi.
0: With the point that you made about her, you know, uh, talking in a way that you just wouldn't in public, it could put a spin just on how they feel about about the Ironworks, that they think Mm -hmm. of that as being home and not necessarily public. And family. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which I had never really picked up on until you mentioned that. So that could be what they were going for. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I was going to add, too, that um, given their background as brothel workers and Lady Hiboshi essentially gives them a taste of quasi freedom, like she buys up their contracts and in this situation they have to do this hard labor and they they don't have to sleep with anyone unless they want to. Like she even states that kind of explicitly in the film. Mm-hmm. and but clearly this woman and this man have formed an attachment and this may be the first time she's ever been attached to someone and then when he didn't come back all that fear and like how she translated that into anger at him i i think you could kind of see where her character would be coming from with that
2: exactly mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. exactly what i mean
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah with what i'm you're saying it much better than i did but that's what i meant
0: <laughs> okay <clears throat> I forgot to say when we were talking about Ashitaka, that about him being a good character. He's mm-hmm. the only person in this whole bloody movie who wears pants consistently, and I really appreciated that. <laughs> I feel like Eboshi wears pants all I the actually, time. Yeah, I guess Eboshi did too. So I guess that means those two are my favorite. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I really like that Oboshi wears pants all the time uh, that she is not ever dressed like a, you know, a traditional Japanese woman, especially from that era. She's there's a masculine quality to her. Um,
1: I had a discussion with this with my husband um, because he was interpreting her character as being a female samurai because there were female trained samurais in this era. And. I w- we're, like, we were trying to figure it out, like, is she actually a lady who could have been trained as a samurai? And and is that what they were coming from? Or is she someone who's just amassed enough power? And is this, is she styling herself that way? And uh, we were like, well, if we spoke better, more fluent Japanese, we could probably listen to the Japanese and figure it out. But we don't. <laughs> so it was just all this speculation. And he was saying, like, yeah, I like I appreciate that they weren't erasing um this aspect from history that they made her be a warrior. Um, and it wasn't ever like questioned because that was something that would have been true to the society at the time.
2: I know that her character design is based on Shiraboshi dancers who are like, so like that, that's like, um, a kind of theater Mm -hmm. and like all the dancers are women, but they play male parts. It's kind of like the opposite of, um, I'm suddenly blanking out on the most famous Japanese form of a uh, theater. Like but the no theater. Yeah. It's okay. like the opposite of that where men play women. Um, mm-hmm. And so when women dress up as men in Shiboshi, like they look like her in their mm. outfits. Yeah. They okay. have like the huge wide pants and and all that stuff. I didn't know that about um, women being samurai. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah. They, they were, at times much more egalitarian about things and practical. And so there would be some women who would be trained to fight and trained in weapons. They wouldn't be trained necessarily in katana, but more in, like, spear and arrow. And then if uh, your your area came under attack, they could help fight and defend it. Hmm. So. Yeah.
2: Which the women do which, in this. They uh, shoot yeah. at the uh, Lord Asano's. People, mm-hmm. Did you guys notice that um, the guards in this all have, like, head wraps and um, and then, like, veils over their nose and mouth? They kind of look like ninjas, but they're dressed in, like, orange and white. That's, a like, a thing that I really appreciate about this movie because it's kind of not about samurai. <clears throat> like, the samurai are in the background or they're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But, you know, like there's this kind of difference, like when I think when the larger, you know, like North American culture thinks about Japanese like warriors, you think like samurai and ninja and you think of like honorable and dishonorable. But like the ninja were the common people because the common people in medieval Japan were not allowed to own weapons like it was illegal. So if Mm -hmm. you owned a sword or something, you would be killed. Uh, for that. And you know, the way that the samurai come at Oboshi in Iron Irontown, it would be like, yo, we're going to kill all of you and take your technology <laughs> like, because you're doing an illegal thing of making guns. Um, and so to have all the guards have weapons, the reason they have to cover their faces so that they, cause they're outlaws. Um, and that's like where the ninja get their start. And that's why all their weapons are so weird, right? Like the throwing stars and stuff, those are were the things that you would use to get the nails out of wood. That's why they have like a little hole in the middle, because you would pry the, the wood the nail out of the wood with that. You would get it under the head of the nail. And then they just sharpened the edges so that you could throw it. And then if it was on your person, you'd be like, no, I'm a carpenter. I'm totally not like going to assassinate anybody around here that I'm a (coughs) carpenter. Like this is my nail pulling thing. Uh, and that's why they're so sneaky, because they didn't have the weapons that a samurai could just walk around with a sword and armor. If you're a ninja and you've been contracted to guard somebody or go kill someone, you got to be like a master of disguise and stuff. So I always really like the uh, the guards in this because I'm like, oh, proto ninja. Yep. That's that's
0: how it was. Cool. I didn't know that. I did not know yep. that either. Japanese society was so weird. I have <laughs> this very funny image now of this guy being like, No, I'm a carpenter. This is my nail pulling thing. And these are my six backups. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is my crew. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got all these
2: these other they're different kinds of nails, like this one's bigger and the, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, um, how did everybody feel about the plot? I don't know how better to word that. Where what, what side do you come down on?
2: Uh, that's complicated, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
2: Ask me on a given day. I might yeah. feel different. I'd be like, burn it down. Like, forget <laughs> it. People suck.
1: Yeah, one of the things I like about this movie is it doesn't try to oversimplify the ending. And that was the very thing that one of the newspaper critics I read didn't like about it. He's like, his criticism was, they didn't have like a decisive action showing you which side you should side on. Like, normally, like, bad things this happen to the Gino. bad side. <laughs> and I was like, uh, he's criticizing it this way. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, it's not a children's show. Like, you gotta make up your own mind. <laughs> like,
0: even if it was a children's show, there's nothing wrong with making them
1: think of it. Well, oh, that's true. Yeah. it's um,
2: ridiculous.
1: And then yeah. one of the other strange criticisms was somebody, one of them didn't like Minnie Driver's performance of as Lady Eboshi. Really? And I was like, what? <laughs> I know, I was like, huh? And it was like, he was just lifeless and flat. And, and I was like, um, <laughs> or were you sleeping? Like, that was her character? <laughs> like, you know, did you, anyway, yeah. <laughs> like I said...
0: They should have just said this movie wasn't for me, done, done. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. that's obviously what it was.
1: Clearly, but yeah, what did I think of the plot?
0: I realize that's sort of super open ended, and we have kind of talked it about it,
1: but yeah,
0: I guess, I guess I sort of agree with Jen in that I always hate that Ashitaka goes back to live with the humans at the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When I kind of feel like. Like him and San sort of inherited the woods there, and them mm-hmm. and the the two other wolves that never got names. Did they? <laughs> they must be one and two. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Did they even talk the other two wolves? Occasionally, yeah, but Did not they so they say like a word
2: rough. or two, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I say um, like, I want to eat his face.
1: Right. <laughs> I can sympathize with that on some days. <laughs>
0: One of them, SD. Yeah, cool. So I can't like that one, but I don't know if that was
1: one or two. So (sighs) I mean, they also don't say how things are going to be rebuilt. So in my ideal scenario, he's going to live with them and teach them some other way of subsisting in this area that's more in harmony with the forests and the animals and they're not gonna do then iron works again.
0: Or just like marking off a border. You know, like here, you can have all of this. Make your iron. Because we know we know the history of humanity. Iron's not going away. Guns Monsters. aren't going away. So, you know, just mark off a border. Do mm-hmm. what you want here. Animals get over here.
2: Yeah, and when At the end of the movie, you kind of get like an indication from the Ironworks people that they do understand a little bit better, mm-hmm. you know, that the forest spirit was not just that. like their whole stance has been like, oh, it's just trying to destroy us instead of like, oh, we live. We should try to achieve some kind of balance or harmony with our surroundings and they say, like, oh, I didn't know that the forest spirit makes the flowers bloom when all the flowers come out over Irontown, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, during the sunrise. And I was watching this with um, my oldest daughter, and it got to that point at the end. And she said, hey, the people who live in Irontown are kind of stupid. Like, Why? How did he not know that it makes the flowers bloom?
0: <laughs> but uh, I actually had the exact same thought at that line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's the forest spirit obviously. <laughs> like what? <gasps> Although even in okay, so I know more about like medieval Europe than I do about Japan. But I guess even in medieval Europe, the forest was always kind of seen as a dangerous, scary thing. And so like especially were were wolves. Right. So I mean, maybe it is just something that seems very obvious to our modern eyes who aren't afraid of woods and wolves the same way uh, people may have been in medieval times. Are wolves native in Japan? Like, in reality, I have no idea. Hmm.
2: There used to be wolves in Japan, and they tend to pop up in popular culture in Japan, in this way as like spiritual creatures but mm-hmm. they've been hunted into extinction the native species there uh, which is part of the reason why they're like romanticized now Yeah, but you know like for ancient farmers in Japan it'd be like yo kill a wolf because like I'm trying it's hard to grow any kind of meat here like it's there's a lot of mountains mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of rocks I'm just trying to live like I'm gonna kill some wolves so yeah they're and certainly, you know, not like these giant dire wolves. like. But, um, yeah, there there were wolves in Japan. And okay. mm-hmm. I think nowadays the latest, I mean, the largest canines you get there are like some big foxes, but, you know, of native uh, species. Mm-hmm. No wolves, though.
0: So, I don't know. I guess it's easy for us to say that's that they seem kind of dumb, but <laughs> looking at it from a medieval point of view might be... Mm -hmm. might be different, I suppose. Yeah. Like
2: I was very obsessed with with this story and like the structure of this story, because when I was like I said, I saw this in college and I was um, there as an English major and the college that I went to was um, like a technical engineering college. And if you're an English major, like not the best move for for you because you'd be like hey teacher uh let me know about story structure and they'll be like just base it on your life and change the names i'd be like yo that's not good advice like i don't know anyone who was a wizard or a griffin and that's like the stuff i want to write um so i was desperately trying to figure out story structure and i saw this movie and then you know, hunted down as many Ghibli films as I could and tried to figure out why this is so different than anything else I had seen, you know, in terms of its story. And like, for me looking at, you know, Totoro looking at, we mentioned Nausicaä in the Valley of the Wind and Castle in the Sky. um, Miyazaki films have this structure of having a tritagonist, um, which is a real (laughs) thing. I did not make up that word. That is from, Uh, from Greek uh, you know story criticism like uh, Mm -hmm. the idea of a tritagonist comes out of um, like Greek plays and like when Greek plays first started there was only one person like literally you guys can you imagine the stifling boringness of going to a play where there's one person on the stage and that's it And they would have like a chorus behind them and they'd be like and then he did this And he would like wave his hands around and be like Oh my god like and so they Innovated and had two people They doubled the people And then It was and then that was okay There'd be like one person doesn't like the other person And then one of them wins But then 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 they had a third Person and that was like Everybody was way into that And that's when you get like Oedipus Rex and, and all of the really good Greek plays. So a tritagonist story is like where you have three people who are driving the action. Mm -hmm. And usually, you know, in like Western stories, we're familiar with the protagonist antagonist two people. And then you get a supporting cast around, you know, those two sides. And you kind of have that in Miyazaki movies. There's usually in the So, okay. In Princess Mononoke, you have Sen versus Eboshi is really what, where the heart of the conflict is, right? It's mm-hmm. the forest versus civilization. But then Ashitaka is the point of view character, and he is trying to negotiate a peace between those two sides. And that's pretty much how... Miyazaki movie's work there's some there's two people fighting and there's a third person trying to mitigate that conflict because Miyazaki's like personal political values are all about pacifism and you know like reconciliation and stuff like that he's anti-war uh, mm-hmm. He's pro-environmentalism. And like you said, Kate, uh, all of that requires like somebody who's willing to compromise and who's good at negotiating compromises uh, between these two sides. Mm-hmm. And so like that's what all of his movies have, like three sides to them. And it took me a long time to figure that out. But like Mon- Mononoke is like probably the best one to come at and and see the three different sides so clearly articulated where you can understand like oh okay okay this is in Totoro this is in Ponyo Mm -hmm. this is in all of his movies
0: I agree with all that I don't know that there's any actual conflict in Totoro just throwing that out there I think that's just (laughs) let's just have some fun with some spirits it's a
2: very very low-key conflict there's the stakes are low for sure yeah.
1: Now I want to go back and rewatch all the movies with this thought in my head.
2: And once I figured I it really... out, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it, it just matches everything. And then, and then I was like, "I understand now." But before yeah, that, I've, it just seemed incomprehensible.
1: I've always watched them just for enjoyment, and um, like never really thought too hard about it. So yeah, now I want to go back, and I always knew that it felt different than a typical like western movie especially like movies aimed at children here like here it's like this is the good guy this is the bad guy it's very clearly coded there's a specific conflict and the good guy wins it like that's that's the formula when you're watching for a lot of children's movies and these mm-hmm. ones are not like that Um much more subtle much more like Totoro where it's way more low key and it's really enjoyable to watch but now I want to go and rewatch them all and see the three the three sides and how it's it plays out
2: and I really appreciate like not just his story structure but like just the ethics that you know that bring about the origin of his stories where there's such like strong female characters and there's never any in anime they call it fan service um Mm -hmm. where you're like looking up the skirt of a female character or just, like, turning her into a male gaze object or stuff like that. There's just mm-hmm. never any of that. All the characters have a lot of dignity, and but they're also, like, it's not super serious. You know, like, there's mm-hmm. funny moments, there's exciting moments, and it's not preachy, either. It just makes you, it's stimulating, like, it makes you think, and it's beautiful. Yeah, so I just love his stuff. I think he's an excellent artist and so (laughs) valuable
1: he also gives his women characters so much agency and like in none of the movies that i can think of off the top of my head that he's done is there like a daughter who has to fight for her independence from her parents um like a lot of the young women are just allowed to do things just Because, And that's not where the conflict stems from. It's never a conflict of, you know, the girl finding her way or asserting herself that she just has this power and agency. She gets to make choices with her life. Things happen. And that's all normal. It's okay. And so I really like seeing that model of how to operate, especially in in terms of seeing it on on screen.
2: Definitely. I think even he he even adapted The Little Mermaid when he did Ponyo, which is kind of like has this Mm -hmm. inherent misogyny to it. And even then, like he manages to sidestep that problem in that movie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, that's the closest one, I guess, where she is like trying to get out from her father's control. Mm -hmm. But then it comes down to like a conversation at the end, basically. And then he accepts it.
2: But then the mom, Sosuke's mom in that is so strong that there's Mm -hmm. no way that you can say like, oh, this this uh, story is misogynist or the, you know, the goddess of the sea. You'd be like, well, you know, the dad is just kind of too worried is what it comes down to. Right. And actually, I don't know if you guys know this. There's like an Easter egg in Ponyo uh, to Princess Mononoke that I put in our little script here in the Google doc. I put a picture of each of the characters here in Studio Ghibli movies. They do this thing where, you know, like a director will want to work with the same actors over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they they do that as a joke in Studio Ghibli movies where you'll have. A character who's drawn a certain way, and then they will reappear in later movies, but they will have aged the appropriate number of years um, hmm. as a, as a character model and be recast, you know, kind of quote unquote as a new character. And so, the character model of Mononoke, who's like a teenage girl in this movie, is a twenty something mother in Ponyo, and looks like very similar. And they do this over and over with all different kinds of characters. Uh, throughout the movies
0: I always think it's funny uh, Ghibli in general and the Miyazaki films in particular use basically the same character designs over and over and over again oh he
2: definitely has a style Yeah, Yeah.
0: there's always that that old lady and uh, I don't know they all just kind of blend together in my mind sometimes it's something I've read about as like Mm -hmm. an
2: intentional choice
0: I'm sure it is (laughs)
1: <laughs> like, I'm sure
0: I'm sure, my criticism doesn't matter at all to them. They have enough money. <laughs> <sighs> they all just sort of start to blend together in my head sometimes. No, they oh, definitely, definitely have a look. I yep. would agree. Do we have anything else?
2: I did want to try and find some way to mention that, like, Japanese culture is, like, originally matriarchal, which I always find so fascinating.
0: I mentioned it a bit with the Amishi. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Although it is fascinating just because they've gone so far the other way.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yes. I was going to ask, um, Mm -hmm. what is everybody's favorite Studio Ghibli film?
1: Oh, Oh, that's hard. (laughs)
0: It does not have to be Miyazaki. (laughs) I say that because mine isn't. Okay.
2: Which makes me immediately think of like the Ursula K. Le Guin one, which is not good. Like a, Ooh. it's a really good way to go to sleep.
1: Yes. Um, yes, it is.
2: <laughs> I kind of hate that movie.
1: I, I haven't actually watched that in its entirety because I fall asleep every time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have never even tried.
2: Yep. I don't. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it.
1: That was and directed I by an- Miyazaki's son, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. By Goro. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I haven't read the Earthsea trilogy yet either, but my husband tells me that it is not a good uh reinterpretation of it either.
0: You should read the books. The books are real good. Yes.
1: Yeah. They're on my list. Um yeah, favorite one. Mine is Whisper of the Heart.
2: That's a good one.
1: Yeah. I figured that was going to be what yours was. Yeah.
2: I I can't think of the name. <laughs> Which is not good. What happens in it? I think yeah. it's actually the other one that Goro directed which I really like. It's the with the miniature people who are stuck in the house and um, The Secret
1: World of Variety?
2: Yeah. I, I yeah. really like that movie.
1: Yeah, that one's good. That is a really good one. Um also based on a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will then pick Nausicaa because it has Patrick Stewart doing a voice in it.
2: Nausicaa's so fair. good. He's riding a chocobo. And Yeah. yeah
1: so good. And I, I have the full, <laughs> um, graphic novel that Miyazaki wrote for it and I haven't read it in its entirety yet either.
0: I wonder if Squaresoft had a problem with that. Because
2: it is so it's, clearly it's the just other, a chocobo. It's the other way around. Oh, really? It's pretty? Yeah, they stole it from him. Oh. And they actually, like, Final Fantasy is, like, my other... Like, I'm huge into Final Fantasy. And um, they actually took, like, Castle in the Sky in the original Final Fantasy... Uh, game, there's like a whole level where there's like this high-tech castle over the desert and you have to like teleport up there and stuff and that is totally like from that Mm -hmm. movie yeah. because like the the director just really liked Miyazaki's stuff and was like, I'm just Mm going to take this and put this in my game because it's cool.
1: (laughs) I I, do really love Castle in the Sky too though. Yeah, Castle in the Sky is good. I I guess I just
0: um, I think of Final Fantasy as being like the first games is being so old Mm -hmm. but yeah i guess not well the first one was apparently 87
2: but chocobos don't appear until part two
0: which is only a year later yep interesting though interesting but yeah no i guess i guess nausicaa would be that old also which i because i saw it in like the later 90s early 2000s i don't think of it as being that old
1: Mm -hmm. I think he'd also... I can't remember, did he write the movie script first and then adapt it himself, or... For
0: Nausicaa?
1: uh, For Nausicaa. I don't remember how the order went, but...
2: He made the manga for it because basically he got fired and um, because he was so hard to work with. And then so he was like, whatever, I'm going to make a comic book out of my idea. And then people were like, yo, this comic book is good. Like, what if we made it into a movie? And he's like, yo, how about I never make movies again because you guys are jerks? And Mm. uh, and then. He ended up like making a coalition of his buddies and they formed Studio Ghibli. And he's like, as long as I can do it the way I want to do it, I'll do it. And then mm-hmm. like the rest is kind of history. But like, clearly I am uh, summarizing when I say like, yo, you all are jerks. Like, I don't think <laughs> Miyazaki would say that.
0: I don't know. I've actually heard kind of interesting things about him as a personal <laughs> human. Where he might not be that great of one, but I haven't done any looking into it because I didn't want to know. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a hard ass. Um, I I'm more talking about his relationship with his kids. I've heard he's not, yeah I, not a good parent. I did hear he I, walked
2: out of that movie. The, <laughs> the Ursula K. Le Guin movie. He was like, yeah. this is bad. And he left.
0: I'm I I'm specifically thinking of like a a joke that I saw in an anime magazine years ago that had a picture. <laughs> it's really bad of the main character in the the Ursula in the what? what was that movie called? Whatever, Earthsea. What Earthsea, sure. Yeah. In that yeah. one, um, with a with like a speech bubble that said something. Oh Christ! It said something like. I made this movie so you would love me or something like that. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: it's probably true.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh I think Hayami Zaki liked other kids better than his own. Which really sucks. But oh well.
2: It's a hard question though, the favorite movie.
0: Yeah. Kiki's delivery service is also really good. I love it that is. movie. Yeah.
2: But they're all good.
0: No. Did you ever hear that story? I think I came across it on Tumblr about a lady who worked at a video rental place years ago. And Mm -hmm. um, somebody, like a a customer and their daughter brought up Princess Mononoke and was like, hey, a princess film. Yay. She was like, no, 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 no.
1: (laughs) on my on my personal social media. That's how I tagged it. I was like, "I'm watching a princess movie." And then I got like the gif of Princess Mononoke sucking the poison out of her wolf mother and put the yeah. picture with it. And uh yeah.
2: That was the part where my 10-year-old daughter was like, "Why is she doing What is this movie?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, this is the same guy who did Totoro and who did Ponyo." And she's like, "This movie is violent
0: yes I love when Akitaka shoots the arrow and the guy's head just flies off
2: yeah that's the best
0: I love it like Uh, like like a ping pong ball it just bloop
2: (laughs) and then the other guy just turns around and is like nope going back over this hill
1: yeah but Totoro and Ponyo are definitely kid friendly ones the first movie I ever brought my daughter to was Ponyo
0: Oh yeah Yeah,
1: That would be a great first movie. Yeah. One of the reasons I love Totoro and Ponyo, and I've recommended them to people with kids and and bought people copies, is because compared to a lot of Western movies aimed at that age bracket, the overall level of frenzy in the movie and noise and fast action is just way down. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, the kids don't get as super, like, hyper and anxious watching it compared to something that has, like, all these big climactic scenes and super goofy characters doing screamy, screechy lines. And um, it's just a much more, like, low-key tempo for kids to watch. so
2: And there's, like, no interpersonal conflict. It's not, like, about kids being catty to each other where then the kids want to model that behavior. It's like, we're best friends
0: and we're just living in a magical world trying to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in Totoro in particular, I really like the sibling relationship mm-hmm. because
1: um, yes. the older sister,
0: Satsuki? Yeah. Yeah. I think she like, she definitely gets annoyed with her younger sister, but, you know, is always just willing to do anything for her.
1: Mm.
0: Especially with with their mom not there and everything. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. But I just really (laughs) appreciate it.
1: Okay. Do we have any recommendations to share? You go first. Okay. I am going to recommend an app and a browser-based service called Trello. T-R-E-L-L-O. And basically what it is is you have a bunch of noteboards that you can add a bunch of lists and attachments to. You can collaborate with people on it. And you can, like I said, you can put attachments in, you could put pictures in, you can move things around. You can put due dates in for certain things and add labels, colored labels. And it's one of the ways that I uh, try and keep myself organized. And yeah, it's really... A versatile and handy app to have. Is this an iOS only thing? Um, I know it's iOS. I will find out well, if it I, is. I mean, also... I can just
0: search the Play Store. What
1: was it called? Yes. How do you spell that?
2: I've heard of that for sure. T-R-E-L-L-O.
1: T-R-E-L-L-O. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's also on Google Play. Does it have a cute little wolf? Yes, appropriate I recommend That's... the cute little wolf yeah 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 their little mascot mm-hmm. so and just to give you like I have a a lot of different boards but like I have one where I just keep track of what are called my maybe later ideas so when I get a random idea of like oh it'd be fun to do a podcast about blah um I just make a little note card for it
0: Insert snarky comment about you needing to learn to edit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but then I've also done, like, I've switched over my workout planning to it as well, uh, okay. which I really like. And I've got all sorts of other ones for, I've got, like, a monthly review board, so I keep track of different, like, holidays that are coming up and birthdays and... Um, gift ideas uh all that kind of stuff so yeah uh still not enough time to get you you something okay you know what?
0: okay i will go ahead um and recommend um i think it was last week or the week before that i made a dungeons and dragons recommendation but i'm gonna do it again because i've actually been powering through the end of critical role or their first campaign and mm-hmm. I will recommend that to anybody who's ever wanted to check out any um, actual play streaming uh, it's a good one to get started on since it is run by professional actors mm-hmm. and writers huh. and directors so and like most of their acting is voice acting so it's, It's Dungeons and Dragons, but it has, like, a good followable plot that you can do, and they are super into their characters, and if you would ever been interested in just seeing, like, how the game plays, because I feel like a lot of people who want to get into it are kind of intimidated by, you know, the size of the rule book. And, you know, watching these people who've been playing it for years and how... They have to check the rules almost every single time they roll the dice, and mm-hmm. it it's it's a fun, interesting story if you just want to watch it for the story, and has great characters, and it's also like a good overview of how the game works and how intense it can get, or not. I've been
2: listening to a podcast for years called uh, Critical Hit mm. that is like that, where it's a but it's. Um, an indie podcast by like not professional people um but I love that podcast like I've been listening to it for like six years they're getting close to the end of their story now and it's like every episode I'm just like ah this is so good
0: I've heard of Critical Hit too
2: it's pretty good um that would not be my recommendation although that show's good but (laughs) it's a it's a huge time investment because like I said it's been going on for six years um Mm. I've I've been rereading the uh, Brandon Sanderson Cosmere books. Mm -hmm. um, And I would recommend to people who, if they want to check out a new fantasy series, if they've never looked at that before, to read um, the book Mistborn, which is the first book in. Well, it's not Mistborn. What is it? I should look it up. And have that stuff ready. But it's the Mistborn series, and there's a lot of those books now. But the original um books come in a trilogy. The first book in that trilogy, though, is like a really nice, self-contained story with an excellent um female protagonist who uh is just like a kick-ass hero. And if you're into like you know like this movie's kind of anime and some big action and stuff like that it definitely has those elements to it the first book's called The Final Empire uh by Brandon Sanderson and uh, those books are on audible they're ebooks they're paperbacks hardcovers you can find them at used bookstores um but the idea is like your typical hero's journey of like There's an evil emperor who rules over all the land in a despotic way, and we've got to take him out. A a group of plucky rebels, you know, form together and, and have to try and take down the god king, but... There's like huge twists in it that completely invert all of your standard fantasy tropes. And by the end of it, you're like, whoa, what happened? And it sets the stage for a series that is a really interesting deconstruction of fantasy and like kind of takes it to the like a more sophisticated and modern place that's like more inclusive and um, just like based on the kind of values that I want to see in my fantasy. So Mistborn, the final empire.
1: Alan, do you want to tell people where they can find you?
2: Oh, sure. I'm on uh, Twitter at Chipper Allen. Uh, you can check out our shows, uh, which are all under um, hollowedgroundmedia.com or you can go to our current show, Uh, which is Hollow Ground Storycast that I do with my co-host Anya uh, or Strangely Literal. You can go to hgstorycast.com to check out our shows there. Uh, And we also do a show about, speaking of Neil Gaiman, uh, writing the script for this. uh, We do a show about the American Gods television show um, called Shadows and Shamblers. You can check that out at shadowsandshamblers.com or follow us on Twitter at Shadowshambler. Uh, For news and updates. And we're kind of like in a holding pattern like you guys are because we're waiting for a season two.
1: Yeah. And you guys have just done the opposite of what we were doing. You're just sort of putting your show on hiatus while
2: Mm -hmm. we're trying to. (laughs) (laughs) HG Storycast is totally what you guys are doing right now, though, (laughs) where we're just like, we're going to talk about whatever we like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I figured if if Jen and I stopped, we'd never we'd never get going again. So I was like, let's not yep. do that. Yeah. That's pretty much what
2: Anya said. Like if we, you know, like from my point of view, I was like, Hey, you're probably happy to not have to do a show with me every week. And she's like, we should keep going and not stop. And I was like, "Oh, okay, buddy, we'll do that. So.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining well, us this week. It's been a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and you brought a lot to the conversation that I didn't know I wanted. So I enjoyed that Mm -hmm. a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was great
2: to
0: be here.
1: Yeah. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at a command of her own at gmail.com or at command of her own on Twitter. And we are also on Instagram, instagram.com slash a command of her own. And I shared this morning my Princess Mononoke shirt that I'm wearing to record this. Okay, uh, I just wanted to mention if anybody out there was interested
0: in my other Tolkien podcast... Um, That implies that this is a talking podcast. You know what I mean. Um, But didn't really want to listen to us talk about the Silmarillion. We did just finish the Silmarillion and we'll be starting The Hobbit next week. And our final episode on the Silmarillion was a extremely drunken recap. So if you want to hear Caitlin be... I mean, like... I was so drunk that night. All three of us were. (laughs) If you want to hear a podcast with three incredibly drunk people trying to remember a very complicated book, um, we had a lot of fun recording that. And I think it was kind of funny. I don't know.
1: So, yeah, you can check that out if want. So, yeah, definitely check that out. And uh, next week, we're going to be taking a break from recording this podcast. So now you've got something to check out. You've got multiple shows. You've got Alan's. You've got Kate's other podcasts so that you won't have, you know, this big gap in your listening.
0: One week. Big gap.
1: <laughs> yeah, big gap.
0: <laughs> Gaping will... hole. Uh, do we know what we're doing the week after that? Uh, it was my pick and I haven't picked yet, so no. Okay, we will announce on Twitter what we're going to be watching that week. The Not next week, but the yeah. week after.
1: And if you've got ideas that you want us to watch, you can always get in touch with us on Twitter or email. And, yeah.
2: That's what I and did. It, I Try guess. it
1: out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, good.
0: Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye.